Noah Alvarez here, and I got a question for y'all. How many of y'all love a cup of coffee, but are tired of the same old coffees that you get at the grocery store or at your local market, right? You're looking for something a little bit more fresh. You don't have to be a coffee snob to admit that you want something a little bit more fresh. Well, look no further than Fruit of the Bean Coffee. You can look up at their website, fruitofthebean.com, and you can find a variety of great different coffees from single origin coffees that originate from South and Central America, Africa, and Asia, or their supercharged breakfast blend. They have a variety of different coffees to offer you, and their mission is to offer you the most fresh, freshest coffee in the entire industry. Lucky for you, during these next couple months, the Fruit of the Bean Coffee will be offering 20% off on their coffee stimulus package to help with the current financial environment of COVID-19, the coronavirus pandemic. That's 20% off on a coffee stimulus package. Be sure to go check them out at fruitofthebean.com and you won't regret it. So go ahead and go get your fresh coffee. What's good, everybody? It's your boy, Noah Alvarez, and you are tuned into another episode of the My Mike and I podcast, episode 101, guys. We are officially past the century mark. Still a lot of good content for you guys to come, even with this pandemic, because I was actually just, you know, coming to the realization that, like, these Zoom interviews, I'm going to have to get more and more comfortable with and find ways to work around it. Because it's not ideal. Ideally, I would like to do the interviews in person. I thrive, I think, with, like, that in-person communication style. But nonetheless, it looks like we're going to be doing Zoom interviews for a while here in the podcast game. So I will continue to put out good content for all of you guys. Really quickly, as I always do, shout out to my boy Vince Correa for designing the Mike and I logo that you are seeing in your screen. He also helps out a ton with the Mike and I Instagram page. Give it a follow at my period Mike and period I. Also, shout out to Generic Sports for playing the instrumental in the background. Check out more of his work on SoundCloud.com slash Generic Sports. Follow him on Twitter, Instagram. Also, check out his Bandcamp. Same thing for everything. Just search up Generic Sports. Shout out to them, too. And shout out to you, the listener. Just a reminder, you guys can listen to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn, uh, Google Play, you know, all those different platforms. You guys can find the My Mike and I podcast. I hope you guys are trying to stay safe, trying to stay hygienated. Hygienated, is that a word? <laughs> trying to practice good hygiene, wash your hands, make sure you guys take your showers and scrub into those hard-to-reach spots. Uh, also, just make sure you use hand sanitizer, wipe down things when you can, avoid, obviously, the large crowds, practice social distancing, and hopefully this COVID-19 outbreak, this coronavirus, the, the basically the quarantine will end sooner rather than later. I know Governor Newsom just announced the other day he didn't see any large sports or large sports gatherings happening for the rest of 2020, which is a big bummer for me as a sports fan. You know, every year I try to make it to a few baseball games, few football games, few basketball games. But life does continue to go on. And like I've said in the past, I hope you guys use this time to find some sort of hobby, some sort of side hustle, even if it's finding a new show that you may have you've been wanting to check out or people have been telling you about. I mean, use this time, guys. We're not going to get time like this ever again, probably in our lifetimes. And as I've said before, it's interesting. I was discussing with a friend, Jacob, actually, the other day, how how much can change from this coronavirus. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see how the world changes. And if the world doesn't change at all from this coronavirus outbreak and the pandemic, well, then that's a shame. And I feel like it's a bad sign for worse things to come. But hopefully, you know, it does encourage people to take, uh, you know, more interest as far as you know self-care self-love but also cleanliness practicing good hygiene and all that kind of good stuff so like i said hope you guys are pursuing something that you love like i always say chase a dream never chase a check and let's go ahead and get into this week's episode 101 now this week's guest is none other than coach eddie Steele. i still refer to him as coach because i had the luxury of playing under him while at golden west college he also has a few other titles he's the owner of steel fitness oc in the city of orange definitely go check it out it's right off catella in a small little plaza next to a round table it's on catella and tustin avenue right off the 55 super convenient if you're looking to get in shape whether you're an athlete or someone that's uh you know just a regular person that not playing any sports just want to get back in shape and he's also a strength and conditioning coach he's been all over orange county bounced around different high schools and colleges and he's currently at newport harbor doing strength and conditioning over there and yeah we talk about his journey starting in california city and many stops along the way to where he is now. It's a fun conversation. Do want to give a little disclaimer. 
that the audio was a little choppy. He was over there in uh, Fresno, the Fresno area, the city of Lemoore. You know, he was uh, enjoying a nice bike ride at the beginning of the conversation. So there's a little bit of cars traffic in the background, but it's a really good conversation. I had a lot of fun with Coach Eddie Steele and talking about his journey. So without further ado, enjoy the conversation between Eddie Steele and myself. I feel like a star. Let's get it. <laughs> star <laughs> Eddie Steele. So you went to Mojave High School, right? Correct. Class of 95. Mustang. I read that you were all CIF track, all CIF football, also played some baseball. After high school, how did you decide that you wanted to play football uh, going forward? It's probably one of the worst decisions I've made in my life. Really, I'm going to keep 100 with you most of this. this and that I always feel if I had to play baseball, continue to play baseball, like mm-hmm. all the other kids all year round and all that type of stuff. I don't think football was my real first love. I really have to say baseball was. So. I don't know. I think I pick. I always think about that. What if, what if I had to play baseball? Especially knowing how lazy baseball players are. <laughs> <laughs> how they don't like the grind. If I'd have took the same work ethic I had and applied it to playing baseball full time, I think I'd have been a pretty amazing baseball player. So, what position did trying to just, What position I, did you play in baseball? I played center field and I pitched a little bit, but I was uh, I ended up pitching a whole lot my senior year, a lot more than I'd have liked. I probably was the ace of our team my senior year, but my sophomore and junior year, I started in center field on varsity. Probably should have continued to play that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, center field, I love playing in the outfield, man. There's something about it, the anticipation to jump on the ball, the throwing guys out, trying to go to third, you know, trying to get a double, whatever. I just loved, loved it. I loved the. I know baseball was amazing, man. I love just being out there kind of by yourself. And boom, the ball hit. You jump the ball. You know, you're getting guys to move out your way because you could get to that ball. And you come up, a guy's trying to tag. You know, he throws his ass out. Man, that was fun. I love playing. Nice. So after high school, you decided to attend Mount San Jacinto. Uh, I saw that you yeah. were able to play some football there, too. What led to that decision to attend that school? Uh... One of my coaches in high school, really I was going to go to the military. I signed, I come from a military background family, so I, I took the ASVAP, and I was ready to go to MEPS and go into the Air Force now and have a great Air Force career. Sometimes, once again, I think, damn, what if I went to the Air Force? I'd be ready to retire right now. <laughs> I'm up at my brothers right now, and this man's retiring this year. 26 years in the Navy, he's getting out in August. Wow. Damn, for retirement, I'm going to be working the next 20 years. So, uh, yeah, that being said, I'm like, man, I wish I would So, uh, I took the ASVAP, and I passed that, and I got it ready, getting ready to go into the Air Force. I wasn't recruited at all out of high school, unfortunately, like a lot of kids. So, I went to a small school, so no recruiting. And we, and, and uh, after that, I went ahead and I, Freaking was going to go into MEPS and all that. And my um, coach Gardner was a tight end coach in high school. He went into a junior college. He said, Steel, man, you could play college football. I promise you, you could play college football. The school I should have went to was Enloe Valley College. And I started spring ball with him a little bit after he had talked me into not going into the military. Uh, I started doing spring ball with him in my senior year right after baseball season. I started going to Enloe Valley and I realized, shit, I can keep up with these guys easily. And the coaches, that guy named was Coach Carter, Hall of Fame junior college coach out of Enlo Valley. He, they were waiting on me to come there. I didn't have no clue. But they were like, man, you're one of the best kids in the county, in Kern County. Definitely you can play football. And you can play. Coach Watts was the receiver coach and the head baseball coach. So they were going to let me play football and baseball in Enlo Valley, man. And uh, Coach Gardner, you know, because he took a job there. And, he, and I went down there to San Jacinto, man. But damn, if I would have went to Elo Valley, I could have played baseball and football. That's my hometown. They knew I could play both. So yeah. at the time when I went to San Center, they had no baseball team. They came to the JT out there. In so uh, I kind of missed that boat on that too. I could take my ass home and play baseball and football, man. So that's how I, uh, that's how I decided to play football. Yeah, makes sense. I had the chance to look up some old clippings, too. 
And what do you remember most about the man in the mud game when you guys defeated Rio Hondo 57 to zero? And then I had like 13 carries and like Al Bundy, four touchdowns, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like real talk, my boys make fun of me all the time for that. Your boy, had, uh, I just smashed those dudes, man. It was our last guaranteed game. And I had played with a guy named Mike Anderson, who was actually the rookie of the year in NFL. Uh, me and him shared time at running back. Well, I was an H-back, or he was more of an H-back. I was like a uh, fullback, H-back. He was a tailback. And we both went off that year, but that was his freshman year. His sophomore year, he just really blew up. But uh, shared time with him at running back my sophomore year. And freaking, uh, I just wanted to show everybody that last game. That was our last guarantee game. We ended up playing a bowl game against West L.A. Keyshawn Johnson paid for it. It's called the Adidas Bowl. Uh, we ended up playing a ball game and beating the dogs not out of West LA. But uh, yeah, man, I just I remember just 13 carries, 100 and something yards, and four touchdowns, and just felt like I couldn't be stopped that time. But it was like I just wanted to show everybody, you know, like just didn't know, man, didn't know if that'd be my last game. You didn't know if you're gonna get recruited. You don't know, you know. Mm-hmm. So once again, you just that could be the last time you play football. You just put on, man. So we. I played the first half. I don't even think I played the second half. I got in there, got loose, and then coach started taking us out again. Even though it could have been our last game. Coach Bob Stengel, man. Best coach I've ever played for. Once again, another another Hall of Fame junior college coach. California Hall of Fame. What you call Hall of Fame? So. Been lucky to play for some great guys, man. What did you like most, most about Coach Stengel's style? Oh, man, that dude's old school. Wing T. Uh, discipline. I still do a lot of the same workouts he do. He used to coach us. He's our, he was our trainer, our coach, our stepfather, man. I used to work at his house. The guy was old school. Old school. When I say old school, we ran the wing tee. And uh, we were smash dudes. Come down, smash dudes. With, we had about 35, 40 guys on our team. Matt. And we would come down and just beat up on gross mob. We beat up on everybody, man. All these mm-hmm. big schools, and he's literally so physical and mentally tough. Uh, it was crazy. I remember he used to, I swear to God, man, that man used to take. I remember playing against San Diego Mazes week one. I rushed for 100 yards in them, I think, something like that. And he literally was saying, we ran uh, Steve, I, 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 we run this day, day, Steve, and a veer. It was this dive, slant, and veer, right? Mm-hmm. And there were three running backs back there, like a wing team. And I would get the dive play, right or left, pretty much. Mike Anderson would get the veer off tackle. And then the option pitch man would be a kid named Tarrant Miller from Miami. And that dude would literally, so it was still Anderson and Miller. And he would be like, see, I run the ball for about eight or nine yards. And it's how hard knock he was. Yeah. He gets, same play, still, still, run the ball. And literally, the whole D would know. <laughs> and if we didn't get four or five yards, he was hot. You know, he didn't give a damn. He's like, I don't care if they know what we're doing. If we executed, if Lamont Williams blocked his guy, he did his guy, somebody get up on a linebacker, we'll get four to five yards every play. And he expected that out of us. So uh, that's the way I coach. I expect as long as we execute, nobody can stop us. As long as we outwork them, nobody can stop us. No matter who it is. And no matter if we tell them or not. You know, and it's true. I've seen it happen before. So. I've seen it work. It's pretty crazy. Man. So, yeah, I just love his discipline. I love his style, the way he taught us to just be a unit of brothers, you know. Just old school, literally hard knocks. It's just awesome. So, right. I don't know. So, after JUCO, you wound up at Humboldt State. How did they uh, recruit about, How did they recruit you, and how did you end up choosing Humboldt? Man, it's some crazy stuff. I uh, I really, I went up there. I went to West Virginia first and came home. Uh, hated it out there, man. It was segregated, West Virginia. I, hey, I was a California boy. Way the hell in West Virginia. And uh, right before we played, opened up against Marshall, with Randy Moss, we would have opened up with him that year. I got my butt on a, uh, on a, on a bus, Greyhound bus. Didn't even tell my mom I dropped out of school. Came home. Boom. Thought I didn't know what the hell I was going to do. Chico State was supposed to give me a scholarship. 
It was like, yep, we got you. Come home. They wanted me too. Bad, but I, I didn't want to go to a small school. So freaking uh, Chico State wanted me. And I got on the gym. I was so homesick. I got on the thing, couldn't take it, and came home. And freaking uh, after that, I took three days on a Greyhound bus to get home, man. Left all my stuff. Couldn't take it. Got home. And uh, got home. Was taking some classes at Unlock Valley, dumb playing junior college football. And Chico State was going to bring me up in the spring. They wanted to bring me on an official visit. And they waited until the spring. I called a coach in like January, February. He's like, man, we got you. Don't trip. I can't remember that damn coach's name. But uh, he's like, don't trip. We got you, but we're going to bring you up in the spring because it holds the deal. You know, me being 20 years old, I'm like 20, 21 years old. I'm like, oh, got it. Let's do it. So then, literally, man, in like March, April, in April, Chico State drops their program. I'm oh, sick. wow. I'm sick. I'm sick. And that whole semester, I'd already been sick. I didn't go to no football. I didn't watch football for a whole year. I didn't watch football that whole year. I didn't watch college football. I can't even tell you who won. That's probably one of the only national championships I can't tell you who won, man. I like, yeah. literally didn't watch no football, no nothing. All I did was train, run, and I worked at Payless Shoe Stores, homie. Real talk, <laughs> I had to get money to pay rent. Right. So life was rough, man. And, uh, when I finally got home, man, after that three-day bus run, and they dropped their program, so now I'm scrambling. I called Coach Stangle, and he said, well, you know, Humboldt wants you too, but they don't have scholarships. At the time, they didn't have scholarships. I'm like, man, I don't give a damn. I do whatever I got to do. Mm-hmm. So I talked to Coach Mitchell from Humboldt State. He, re- he was the guy that had recruited me. He's the office coordinator. He's like, man, we really, really want you. We need you. There's another kid here. He's from your area, too. He did really well for us. You come in and compete with him. I'm like, that sounds good. So I didn't have nothing else to go, man. So I went there sight unseen with $500 in my pocket in the bag. Got off my plane. I didn't have a room. I didn't know nothing. Come to find out two of my buddies from San Antonio was there. And end up kicking with them, but recruiting is different nowadays. You know, you, you can go online and see what the school is. I didn't even know what Humboldt looked like. literally. I was just like, I'm gone, man. This is my last shot. Really? I'm going up there, graduating, and doing what I needed to do. So I started for two years. Started every game I ever touched the field for, man. Had a great time. When they traded for nothing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that shit was, that, that was crazy, Noah. Like, Thinking back on that, I literally got on a plane. I literally got on a plane with nothing but a backpack and about $500 cash. I didn't have a credit card. I didn't have a mom and dad to help me, bro. I was like, sheesh. Like, I didn't even know what Coach Mitchell looked like. Oh, wow. I didn't even know what the whole coaching stuff looked like. They recruited me on the phone. Yeah. I had met him at, at Senior Sino, but I didn't remember him. He had came in and, you know, they come into the office. They pull you in. Who's the running back you guys got? You come in, you talk to them. But at that time, they weren't offering scholarship. My senior year, they got scholarship. They gave mm-hmm. me a partial. But uh, going into my – going there, I was just like, man, I just want to play football and go to school. If God allowed me to do that, I ain't messing this thing. You know? So at that point, it was like, literally, get on a plane. My uncle told me, man, don't come back home. Ain't no coming home. Nothing is here for me. Shit, man, that was a wrap. No scholarship. No money. No, I didn't know nothing. They went up there. They got me in the dorms. Uh, they took my financial aid. I was a financial aid, full financial aid qualifier. Mm-hmm. Which kids don't understand. When you're a full financial aid qualifier and whatnot, you get money. You know, you go get a work-study job, this and that. How much scholarship do you need if you stay in state? You know? So right. I got that. I have a money in my pocket. Shit, I went to college like everybody else. And then they'll start. Next you know, the next year they, they got scholarships. And they gave me a little bit of scholarship money, man. So, trust me out when all these kids talk about scholarships. If you really love the game and want to go to school, you don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. You know? How did you end up choosing the major kinesiology? Man, I'm a PE teacher. Shit, it ain't no hard choice. What the hell? I don't know. I can barely count the five. <laughs> you know? Shit. I'm not taking no mathematics. English, I should end up becoming a really, really good writer, you know? To be honest with you, in my later years, uh-huh. I should get right out. I probably wish I'd have got a major in English. A couple of years ago, I went back to Azusa Pacific online and got a, 
a degree in business management and had to write a lot. And actually, through the years, I've become a good writer. But at the time, shit, I could, man, when I graduated high school, I could barely still spell Eddie Steele, man. I could play the hell out of some sports. And I, like I said, the ASVAB was so damn easy. I don't know how the hell I passed that. But it's luck, man. I, you know, I want to be a PTJ. Nothing else I wanted to do. My whole life, no real, real talk. You know, after that dream of playing professional sports, somehow I got killed and died. After that, I had a, I had a great PE teacher named Coach Hunt, Don mm-hmm. Hunt. And, man, I always want to be like Coach Hunt and just coach PE. And once again, I take everything I do is exactly like Coach Hunt, man. Just be real with kids and consistently be consistent. But, man, I just, uh, just want to be like Coach Hunt. Shit, that man had a couple of houses. He had a good life. I'm like, shit, if I could do this until I'm 60, 75 years old, like this guy did, you know, roll the ball out, have kids kicking around, and then be cool with all the athletes, mm-hmm. he's still in great shape. At like 80, I think Coach Hunt's about 83 years old, man. Still be working out every day. Damn. In Tehachapi, California, man. Still grinding. Not a joke. No joke. <laughs> but he was around kids his whole life, you know, and stayed yeah. in shape. So they kept him young. We kept that man young, man. Right. So that was an easy call, man. And then all my boys, all the people, well, all my boys were social majors. That went into social, and they become police officers and stuff like that. But I know I didn't want to do it. I don't want to deal with, you know? Yeah. Human behavior people and all that stuff. I don't, that's not me. So, nah. I just want to, I wanted to play kickball and teach kids how to play kickball. Nice. That kinesiology, emphasis of teaching and coaching. Can't be. There you go. So you said earlier West Virginia was a bit of a culture shock for you. How was it in Arcata, California, Northern California? In Arcata, man, that's the best place on the planet, man. It's a, it was a melting pot, man. Brothers, man, a bunch of hippies up there. That's probably <laughs> why I got dressed today, man. But, you know, hippies, they get along with everybody, man. Everybody up there is a college town. Really humble. humble in Eureka, Arcata, California is one of the best college towns probably in the nation where the college is really, the town is all about the college. So, I mean, we would fill up the road, the, uh, the railroad bowl on Saturdays, be packed, kids everywhere, man. It's some small, and like the whole community was about the college. So we would go out on campus and man, at first you get up there and there's only about, only about, if you're not on a sport team and you black, you're like, where the hell are you, why are you up here? <laughs> so, uh, real talk, man, you're like, where the hell are you up here, man? There's very few kids in there. And if you were black and not on the sports team, you hung out with us anyway. But really, like, the community up there loved us. You're still in California. It's a little different. But uh, you're still in California. And you're around people that really care. They, they, a lot of them, went, parents went to Humboldt. They went there. You know what I mean? Cousin went there. So they really have love for us, man. It was awesome. They bring you into their home and feed you. And you want a job, you could get one at one of the meals. I worked at a meal one time, man. One of the hardest jobs I ever had, bro. I worked for three weeks, got me a paycheck, and was done for the coaching. <laughs> like I told you not to quit that job. I said, man, they got me climbing underneath stuff, picking up soldier. I can't be doing this. And goggles and a hard hat, man. Uh-huh. I just need to get those days. Good. So, yeah, but no, man, it, it was, I can't, it was cool, man. It rained, though. Talking about raining. That was the biggest culture shock is the weather. Mm-hmm. It rained probably the first year I was there. Out of 356 days, it probably rained 280 days. Dang. No joke. Oh, yeah, brother. And it was wet. I lost like 15 pounds. Got the flu. Wow. They call it the humble crud. Sickest I've ever been in my life, man. Got the flu and lost 15 pounds. I had to get on all these antibiotics, but it's like the norm. Everybody does that. They say, if you do that and don't leave, you're going to be all right. You stay. Wow. Sure enough, I stay. Yep. Yeah, because you're just not used to that weather, man. You just can't stay dry, you know? Mm-hmm. That's pretty crazy. So after graduating college, you said you wanted to be a PE teacher. Was that the first thing you did after you graduated? First thing, dog. Went down to Santa Monica. Uh, got a little gig down there teaching at Grant Elementary in Santa Monica. I was working for the Santa Monica Malibu Unified School District. Uh, got a job doing that for... I think about a year and a half, two years. Oh, about two and I was there for two and a half years. Two and a half years. Yeah. And I was driving from freaking, I moved to Long Beach, and then me and I'm, oh, shit, I'm about to be lost. Oh, no, I'm good. I remember this. 
I got lost, man. All this shit looks the same out here, man. So I was driving, uh, uh, yeah. driving from Santa Monica. We out here, boy. Driving from Santa Monica to Long Beach, and then I moved to Brea. I lived in Long Beach for like two years. Then I moved to Brea, man. And freaking, I was driving from Long Beach. I mean, from Brea to Santa Monica, Noah. Wow. To work. Yeah, yeah. I got like two car carpool lane tickets. Can't do that no more. <laughs> you know? So when Cass was talking about, man, coach, you're so far. I'm like, man, y'all have no clue. The struggle, man. I done did it all. And then finally I was like, uh, living in Brea, driving to Santa Monica, teaching. And loving it. I loved once I got to work. The kids were great. Uh, coach Steele, Coach Steele. Loved all that, man. But uh, the commute, I ended up getting a job at uh, LA Fitness in Anaheim Hills and put some teaching. And I didn't get back into teaching and coaching for a long time, for like six or seven years. I was just training, personal training, you know? Yep. Uh -huh. So I went straight from school to doing that. And then roofing, I did a lot of roofing going on. My uncle George was a roofing contractor in Lancaster, Palmdale area. Okay. So I was roofing by the time I was. 14 years old, full time before the summer. What did you What did you like most about the personal training gig? Oh man, I love the communication with the people. Just getting to know different people and different, you know, different people from different walks of life. Uh, just having relationships with so many different cool people was awesome. Uh, really, and then helping people, helping people get in shape. You know, that's my passion, man, is to just help people get fit and to care about giving that self-esteem that they're lacking sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. just through fitness. That's pretty neat to be able to do that. Uh, so I guess you would have to say I enjoyed uh, just helping people get in shape, man. Really, helping people get fit, whether it be a lady lose 70 pounds or an athlete get in better shape. You know, a lot of my clients, like outside, I, have, I train a lot of people that that have that are not that are not athletes at mm -hmm. my gym. My gym is like I mean, of course, obviously I have some athletes, and I'm a strength and conditioning coach. But I have a lot of people that's not athletes, and they come to our games and follow the boys, and end up becoming friends with the boys. So the the kids that work out at my gym get a chance to meet people from all walks of life at a young age. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's kind of neat in that fashion. Kind of neat. Speaking of your gym, how long were you personal training for until you decided that you wanted to open up your own gym, Steel Fitness? Man, about two months. Real <laughs> talk, man. I, I oh, got shit. into that, and I'm like, someday I'm going to open up my own gym. And I would say it, and all the trainers at LA Fitness would be like, whatever, whatever, still, you crazy. Like, no, dog, someday I'm going to open up my own gym. I'm not in this to work at no LA Fitness for my life. So I went in, and I, about six months into being at LA Fitness, I was so busy. That my boy was like, you need to go ahead, man, and start personal take these clients and start personal training them on another at another facility. So I went to another facility. My boy John, he like plugged me with another facility, and I did that. And I'm about to get a little workout in while we do this. And I did that. My brother got a little set up in his garage. I told him I was gonna ride my bike, ride his bike, and get on the weight. Okay. So that's what's next. You see, my niece got a little set up. Nice. You know what the hell I'm gonna do here? <laughs> I'll figure it out. <laughs> Just get my heart. I had a long drive. Yeah. So, uh, so man, I went ahead and I did that, and I freaking uh, was at LA Fitness. I bounced over to a place called OC Fitness, and I was, when I when I met the guy, his name was Jim Spragg, great dude, man, great dude. When I met the dude, I was like, bro, I'm gonna uh, only gonna be here for a little while. I'm gonna, I want to get my own gym. And he's like, what? yeah, whatever, still. And I became busier than he was. Once again, I like outgrew his gym. I had so many clients, man. And at that time, I barely trained on like one or two athletes. I trained a kid from Villa Park, Allen, Lozamo. And then I trained a kid from Orange Luther. Both great basketball players. Both went on to play college basketball. Nice. Uh, and, uh, and I started with them when they were young. And one, one kid ended up being like 60 on 10, man. So, uh, so then, I, where were we at? I know exactly where we were at. So then I left OC Fitness, and uh, he was like, you ain't gonna leave. So he, I was like, man, I'm telling you, a dude closed this gym down. No, I had saved all my money cash. I had $30,000 cash set. 
like all these other trainers be wasting their money partying and boozing and hanging out. Man, save your money. So I saved my money and I bought all the dudes equipment 13 years, about 14 years ago. I bought a guy named Stefan's equipment. He couldn't pay his rent anymore. Boom, I put it in a storage unit. Went and got me a couple partners from Home Depot, got me a U-Haul truck, put all that mess in a storage unit, right? And then I had it in, in a freaking public storage unit. And I was like, man, I'm going to open up my own gym. And he's still talking about, nah, you're not, you're not. I said, okay, I promise you, I'm opening up my own gym. I found a space that still finishes in now, managed to get the rent. I freaking built that thing out, man, working full time. I would go to work at 5 a.m., work all day, get down at like 7, go take a shower, go to my gym, build it out. I did everything but the plumbing. Mm -hmm. um, Ceiling, man, all that. Ceiling fans, painting, all that. Uh, and freaking, I remember November, 13 years ago in November, November 1st, I opened up Steel Fitness 13 years ago. And then when I opened it, them, I didn't tell nobody. And I told, I told them, man, you guys got to come see my gym. All them trainers was hot. <laughs> I was like, you really opened up your own gym? I said, I told you, I'm going to open up my own gym, man. I wasn't kidding with them. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't kidding with him though. Yeah. I thought I was kidding though. So it's still So yep. Opened up my own gym, man. And next thing you know, thirteen years later, man. I never thought I'd be owning no gym for thirteen years though. Yeah. Really? No, nah, man, I thought it's something I'd get in and get out real quick, you know? Mm -hmm. Was it an easy transition for you to get all your clients on board and just move over to Steel Fitness or did you have some struggles yeah. in the beginning? From, no, from O C fitness to Steel Fitness, yeah, they all came. Okay. I was like, I, I still train some of them people. Damn. 14 years later, they come to the Fullerton Games too. <laughs> when we pull up, those people will be like my clients and stuff from 10 years ago. And wow. I'm the boys forever. Yeah, that's like family. But when I went from LA Fitness to OC Fitness, a bunch of people told me they was going to leave. I had like two or three clients, man. Uh huh. And I literally would go in in the morning. My first client name was Frank. Uh, it was an engineer over there in Pasadena at one of those rocket places. I can't remember the name, but it was smart as hell. And uh, he came in at 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. And I had a lunchtime client, Key, and I have an evening client. And all them other trainers would try to go somewhere, and then they'd go to 24-hour fitness and something to work out. And then they'd be, you know what I mean, running all over the place. I would just sit at the gym. I would, like, read, do whatever, but I'd stay at the gym. Before I knew it, my clientele built up. In less than a year, I was literally working full-time as a personal trainer. Probably like 10 hours a day, man. That was unheard of at the time. Damn. You know? Yeah. Like 10 hours a day just making money. Money that Obama and Clinton couldn't count. Bush couldn't count. <laughs> it was cash, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell nobody. All right. <laughs> we'll keep it a secret. So, so how long did you or when did you start strength and conditioning coach for different teams? Because I know you hopped around from Canyon High School to over at Golden yeah. West. But when did you start My doing that? My first gig was at Villa Park. My first gig was for Coach Reynolds at Villa Park. Jeez. And I'm trying to think. Some of the guys that I trained him now are like doctors. Some of the guys that was on that team is like literally, and I'm kidding, Spencer Puddock is a doctor in Santa Barbara. Oh, shit. So, uh, exactly. That's how long ago it was. So I started that probably 16, 8, 17 years ago, man. And I did work with him for two seasons. And then after that, I went to Canyon. I was over there with, uh, what's his name, McKee, Brett McKee, for a while, yeah. And then I went to Golden West with Coach Mitchell, Nick Mitchell. Nick Mitchell coached me at Humboldt. Yeah. He was a DB coach at Humboldt. That was my guy. So, and then he kept trying to get me to come over there for years. He was trying to get me to leave Canyon to come to Golden West for years. I was like, I'm not going to leave, but I think I could do both. Yeah. So I was coaching. I was coaching at uh, Golden West and Canyon at the same time. Mm -hmm. Strength coaching at both. I'll be at a game on Friday night and at a game on Saturday night. I was doing both, man. And then uh, from there, I went freaking shit. I was at Golden West for what? Seven or eight years, man. I was at there for like seven or eight years. That was cool. Yeah. It was a good run we had. We had a great run there, man. It was crazy. How'd you end up at Newport Harbor? Uh, I stopped working at Golden West. 
crazy story. I started working at Golden West, and uh, Coach Mitt, Coach, the coach, uh, Coach Lost House. Coaching is crazy, man. You always just always say be good to people because you never know, you know? Yeah. Anytime I meet a coach or anything, no matter who he is, as long as I'm not playing against you, I'm good with you. So uh, we, uh, he was, the Lost House was going to join the Golden West staff like two or three years prior. He ended up getting a head coaching job at San Diego Major. So he didn't join our staff there. But he had came into our weight room a couple of times at Golden West and had seen the energy and whatnot. And he's like, when he first went to his first year at, after his first year at, uh, after his first year at Newport, he knew he needed to be a strength coach. So he asked Mitchell if I, he knew anybody that was like me. But I had already stopped coaching at Cordova to watch Xavier play at Fullerton. I don't want to miss out on that. You know? So Mitchell was like, man, still ain't here no more. You might want to give him a call, though. He might be interested because I know Xavier is going to be done. And then once he's done, he's not going to have nowhere to go. So then that's when uh, Lawtown's called me. They put together a situation where I couldn't retrieve it. It's been great. And it's been solid. Mm-hmm. It's been probably some of the most fun I've had coaching and strength coaching. In my yeah. life, yeah, we've been having a lot of fun over there. So crazy kids over there, man. Mm-hmm. You mentioned your kids, Xavion, twins, uh, with Xavier too. I had the chance to meet one mm-hmm. of them. But what did, what did becoming a father change for you in your life? Man, it took me a long time to become a. a uh, it man, first of all, I, I obviously I'm 44 and the boys are 22, so I had them when I was young, at 22 years old. And it took me a while, trials and tribulation, to learn how to raise a man, you know, mm-hmm. so talk. So uh, it changed. Uh, I don't know if it changed me a lot. I always hustle. I know as a, de- as a parent, you got to be willing to hustle and make things happen, right? So I've always done that in that aspect. But just patience, I guess. God, I've learned to become so much more patient as a human being. And that, that's definitely attributed to parenting. Because uh, things don't happen on your time, no matter how bad you want them to, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the one of the major changes I had is having patience and having to care for others, and not just myself, mm-hmm. you know. So then, then, then having a little girl who's twelve years younger than them is really crazy because you have these two dudes that you was always pushing to be rough with or whatever. And you have a little girl, once you're set in your ways, you have a little girl that you have to completely change for, you know? You yeah. don't yell at, you don't, you know what I mean? You don't even really raise your voice. I don't even think I've ever raised my voice as though. So, <laughs> and nor has she really given me many reasons to. So, it's a trip, man. It really is. Parenting is a trip, man. Like I said, there's no, there's no guidebook, you know? There's no instruction manual. Mm-hmm. And everybody does it differently. You just hope that it works out. Mm-hmm. We'll talk. How happy were you when your son, Xavier, got a scholarship right out of high school, out of Olu, and went right to UMass? Man, I was excited for him because he worked for that. Like, he, that was the only thing he used to ever think about. So uh, he, 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 would, he was like, man, that dude, I couldn't get out the house with him going to the gym with me. I couldn't, you know, he was like a worker. He's a super hard worker and it was always overshadowed. Mm-hmm. So he was always overshadowed, uh, not only by his own brother, but other athletes on his team. And he always seemed like to get the raw end of the stick or even some of the players on his team knew this dude is a straight dog, but he's not playing as much as other kids. So when he got that D1 scholarship out of high school and the coaches came to the house, like they found him off of a Nike video. It didn't even have nothing to do with Olu. Wow. They found him off a Nike video, the coach, Coach Steve Costello, man. From, uh, he was a DB coach at UMass that, man, I seen this kid's video. And then I just seen him play in his senior year. He had played, he had played uh, receiver. He played everything, safety, deep linebacker. And then they moved him to corner his senior year, you know. And that's where Xavier, Xavier would have started at if he would have stayed at, at Olu. 
So Xavier left Olu and Xavier moved to corner, never played corner in his life. And was just a shut down corner in Trinity, really. You know? Uh-huh. And uh, I think if he'd have played there two years, he probably would have went Pac-12 or something. You know? So, so that man, yeah, he uh, when he got that scholarship, man, I was so happy for that boy. What is that? African sticks. Oh, this this man chewing on sticks, man. <laughs> 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 That's that military shit. So, uh, yeah, he uh, he got that scholarship out of there. And it was, like, crazy how it happened. He said, Dad, I'm telling him. And uh, a D, couple of D2s had offered him. He's like, I'm not trying to go to them, man. I'll go to JC first, like Blake Hell did. He's like, I'll do the same thing you're going to do with Blake. And uh, Xavier, I mean, I'm like, man, this D2, man. You know, you're going to have fun regardless where you go. Kids don't realize that. No matter where you go, four years later, it becomes your school, you know? Yeah, you don't care about all that other stuff. You just have fun, met great guys. There's great kids at every school, you know. Mm-hmm. So he got that scholarship, man. I was like, this dude done did what he said he was gonna do. But he worked for it. Like I said, we didn't go every. We go to Cabo, we work out. We go to Reno, we run hills in Reno, Nevada, man. Nobody even out there. We work out five hundred twenty-four hours. In. He literally for about about four or five hundred days. That kid worked like I've never seen him before. And uh, it paid out for him. And in the classroom. Because wow. UMass is an easy school to get into. That's a very, they have high academic standards at the University of Massachusetts. Right? Yeah. They say it's the biggest public school in the state of Massachusetts. It's one of the best public schools in the state of Massachusetts, man. You got to oh, remember, wow, Harvard is in that. Huh? I said, there you go. That's a, that's a state that got Harvard and MIT. So, mm-hmm. you know, it ain't no joke over there, man. Mm-hmm. And that boy is doing it. So proud of him, and he and he's on track to graduate this time next this time next year. He'll have his uh, bachelor's degree mm-hmm. as a junior. Yep. There you he'll go. Have one more year to play. So excited for him. Was it an adjustment at all for you to be a father to a kid who's all the way across the United States and in a different part of the country? Nah, not nowadays because you got shit. We doing this, and I'm <laughs> I'm in Fresno, and you yeah. back in SoCal. Not at all. All right. And then uh, you just got to, you know, you just got to know that he was meant to do that. He's raised to do it. Like anytime, you know, I try, like, I do this crazy. He could call me at six o'clock his time, now like three hours different. And for some reason, I'll be awake. 3.30. And all his buddies be like, damn, who are you talking to? My dad. It's 3.30 over there. I know he's up. <laughs> I'm like, damn, I'm up. I'm getting ready for work. What's good, man? So uh, it's crazy. He's like, it's crazy how I could call you no matter what time of day or night. It seemed like you're wide awake, like waiting on me to call you. Yeah. I said, you just got to be, you know, you just got to be put in the time. But he know not to call me at 9, 30, 10 o'clock. I'm asleep, boy. What you doing? Call it so late. <laughs> 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 call me in the morning, man. Yeah. So, but no, so, no, we find ways, you know. We find ways. Except that I don't get to go to as many of his friends I would like to. But once again, I've been to the big ones and. Yeah. We find ways you can watch them on TV and talk to them after. Mm-hmm. So, uh, just is what it is. Mm-hmm. So one thing I remember from you being at Golden West, one of the expressions that you used to say a lot when we would always put in our weight room was lock in. How did you come in? How did you come up with that saying lock in? Man, I've been saying that way before everybody. <laughs> everybody jumped on that thing, man. Uh, I don't know. I was just sitting around one day and I was like, lock in. I was at the house. I didn't even see it nowhere, nothing. I'm just like, man, that's tight. I just, like, you know, it's time to lock in, man. Get your mind right. This before, I mean, no, this was probably 10 years ago. Like, literally. I was saying that lock in. And uh, it just clicked. It just stuck with me. I was like, lock in, lock in. And then I put the hashtag on it. The hashtag wasn't on forever. And everybody started hashtagging stuff. And I'm like, hashtag lock in. <laughs> and it's crazy. I go to... I'm crazy. I pull up a the freshman football game going into uh, week one at Newport Harbor, and some kid I can't even remember who it was had it on his backflap. Wow. He had put that hashtag lock in on his backflap, and then I didn't. He didn't even say nothing to me. Somebody else put. I'm like, damn man, this is kind of powerful. I gotta be careful what I say. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, I gotta be careful what I say. And you think about it, freshmen just come in in, in July. 
Mm-hmm. They weren't even there in January with me when I first took the gig. So it was so powerful. That it touched him so much that he thought by the time he was two months later, he was locked in. He wanted the boy, you know, like, man, I got to be careful, dog. So, yeah. I don't know. It just hit me, man. Like, and it's funny because when I first used to stay it, I used to stay at my gym all the time. And I started saying that. And, and Mitchell, Coach Mitchell, he liked it right away. Yeah. But when I used to sit at my gym, all my older clients would be like, why do you say that? Why do you... And now one of them was like, man, you should have patented that, bro. Oh, man. He lost the mold. He like literally was like, you should have patented that. And he was telling me back then, I'm like, I should have, man. And hashtag <laughs> locked in. Because I see it everywhere. And it's like buying a new car. You don't ever see it. And then you get that car and everybody's driving it. That's how I feel like locking is like I like I see it all the time. I'm like, man, nobody used to say that. Yeah. Now USC got it on their shit. You know, like get the hell out of here. <laughs> but it just means to get your mind right, man. Just focus. Just, just bam, lock in on something like a uh, uh, like a fighter pilot. You know, mm-hmm. they, when they up there on that jet and they about to shoot another one out the air, mm-hmm. they lock in on it, man, and boom, boom. So you got to be able to lock in on your goals, lock in on getting that first down, lock in on stopping this play. Locking on your schoolwork, man. Locking on hustling in the morning to wake that money. Mm-hmm. With you, locking on, you know, on these interviews, man, and get the people you want to interview. Locking on and get it. So that's, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. And then another quick story about it. Uh, I go to Newport and we get our new spirit pack. And I don't know this, but they put the hashtag lock in on the back of everybody. Wow. And I didn't even know. I didn't know. I had no clue they were going to do that. Coach Chris Cox, he designed the spirit pack. And on the spirit pack, he put hashtag lock in on our back. I was just like, damn. Mm-hmm. And this was in the first month I was there. I was like, damn, this shit is powerful. You know, that whole movement is powerful. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Kind of cool. Yeah. So, you've, co- you've coached and taught little kids, elementary school, also, you know, worked with high school athletes, JUCO athletes. You worked with doctors, you said, too. Is there anybody you – you prefer to train or you just like being versatile and, and training everybody from man, all different backgrounds? I, man, I grew up in the military. You see what my brother looked like when he came out here. Yeah. I, I like to be man, all different backgrounds versatile. I think that's one of my one of the one of my strengths as a human being is that I'm able to walk into a room no matter who's at, in that room, I feel like I fit in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like literally I have a purpose on this earth. Uh, and that's to, to make people feel better about themselves. I've always been good at that. No matter what age group, no matter what sex, no matter what, you know, preference, whatever it is, man, race, culture, because uh, I believe culture and race are two different things. Uh, your, whatever culture you're from, whatever race you're from, I feel like uh, I'm able to walk into a room and make you feel better about yourself. So <clears throat> I would be limiting myself if I said I like training or working with just one group of people, human beings. I like working with Man, you could give me a, a, a tennis ball or a soccer ball and give me six, seven years old, seven year olds, and we're gonna get out there and run around and we're gonna work on some cognitive skills and some motor skills and you're gonna say, damn, that guy should have been doing that his whole life. Or you could give me a bunch of 60, 75 year olds and put me in a gym with them and have them doing some some chair aerobics. And you're like, damn, how is he able to get all those people to you know? Yeah. Feel good about their stuff. Uh so really I don't I don't feel like I wanna limit myself to be just one group of people. Plus, you can learn something from all of them. Man. Right. I'm limiting myself. I'm limiting what I'm getting. You know what I mean? The, the, kids, the, the kids that I train and coach, they give me all this energy, right? And then I go train these old men and women. They give me all this knowledge. And it's crazy because I go work with the kids, and they be like, Coach, how are you so smart? How do you know this is going to happen? How'd you? Well, I listen to those people with all that knowledge. Yeah. Then I go back and I'll be around guys my age. Damn, still you got too much dumb energy. <laughs> well, that's because I'm always with them kids. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like I always take them from everybody. I give everybody, but literally more people give me more than I ever give to anybody else. People give back to me, mm-hmm. whether it's just, you know, knowledge, energy, whatever it is, man. I feel like I've just been blessed, man, to be surrounded by amazing people all the time, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, so I don't have a preference. I just, I just like going to get it, you know, just mm-hmm. share my passion and who I am with as many people as possible, man. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, so you know, back I could to- take, I could take and have a, a 
to the, uh, my daughter's eight-year-old birthday party, and all the parents was like, there's girls, a bunch of the little girls. Dang, he's so good with them. I'm like, man, whatever. So, okay, right. go ahead. Back to what? I was going to say, back to your gym. Obviously, COVID-19 has, you know, done a lot to society, social distancing, everything. How has that affected your business, if at all? Man, we're shut right now. Uh, we're not really training nobody. We're just doing a couple of people, and we're really trying to practice social distance. Uh, we do a lot of stuff outside, and we're cleaning everything really, really well and making sure everybody wash their hands really good when they first walk in. Wash their hands when they first walk when they're done with everything. We clean everything down. Uh, try to keep our distance from everybody. Give everybody a picture. So uh, it's it's it slowed me down a lot. I'm done at Newport for the rest of the school year, uh, which was we were kicking butt over there in the weight room. I mean, I've never had spring like we were having. Our off season was just woo. It was crazy. Kids were hitting crazy numbers. Our quarterback, our quarterback hit 210 pounds. Weighing 210, he cleaned 265, he cleaned 285, he uh, squatted 385, and he bench pressed 215, I think, 220 on his maxes. And this was in, what, March, January, February, April. This was in the middle of April. We had, right when COVID hit, the week before that, we maxed out. Oh, March. uh, Oh, January, February, March, yeah. So in March, the middle of March, we maxed out. So right when it hit, we literally just got done maxing. So I got all my kids maxed. That's our quarterback. Our D-line was strong as hell. Linebacker, strong as hell. Uh, but Cole was a but, – and he's a good leader. But, man, I have never seen a group of kids get so strong. And then we were going into our next phase of really getting after it. The sky was the limit. That all got shut down. So I'm not there no more with them. Uh, that slowed me down a lot. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the gym has slowed down big time. Like I said, I'm just training – couple of small groups, people that are healthy, I'm making sure if you're sick, don't come, that type of thing, you know what I mean? Just be healthy, be smart, be aware of what's going on, and uh, that's it. But sometimes we need to slow down. I think this is, you know, God or Mother Nature, Jehovah, uh, Allah, uh, whoever you want to call, Buddha, whatever you want to say, each person has their own beliefs, you know? Uh, They're telling us to slow down, man, and I'm trying to take heat. Look at me, I'm in Fresno. On a Friday, I'm in Fresno riding a bike in the country. Yeah, you know, doing curls on my niece's curl bar, but uh, I'm just, just—it's not always a bad thing to slow down, you know, slow down. So, and it ain't gonna last long. We'll get through everything. Uh, you can either have a positive or negative look at it. Mm-hmm. I try to stay positive as much as possible, knowing that it's, it's temporary. You know, we don't gotta live like live like this the rest of our lives. It's very temporary, and then when we, when they say go, we'll get back to hustling again. Mm-hmm. You know. It ain't going nowhere. So that's how I feel about that whole COVID thing. So it slowed me down, but it's not a, it's not a bad thing, man. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing at all. So it's unfortunate. Some people are going to be slowed down way more than me. That's for damn sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and that's very unfortunate. So I look at it like that, man. I got good health. I got great family. You know, I got amazing kids. And I've just been blessed, man. Mm-hmm. been blessed, man. So I'm not even tripping on this real talk. And I know that's probably not the popular answer, but take it in stride, slow down, try to stay away from negative people. There's so many negative naysayers and stuff out there right now. Everybody has an uncle in the FBI, you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm like, you know the great thing? I've grown up in the military and been around military people my whole life, obviously. Yeah. I am now. Uh, been around military people my whole life. You know, that's one thing about a guy with a secret clearance, he doesn't talk. Yeah. The people that really know, they don't talk. Right. That's why they have their clearances. That's why they have top secret security clearances. They don't talk. So every time somebody tells me they got an uncle or a cousin in the FBI and National Guard's about to lock us down, get all the damn right. cleaning tissue and this and that, I'm like, man, y'all some fools, man. <laughs> you know, if you do not control your mind, somebody else will, right? Yeah. So that's what I'm like, man, y'all from damn food, man. Ain't nothing, ain't nothing coming out of here. But yeah, so I'm just, man, we just taking it slow, bro. Yeah. My little kid skateboard. We're in Fresno, kids skateboarding on the curb right now. Nice. You, you make this a social distancing. Hey, there you go. <laughs> See what I mean? Like, we're yeah. tripping, man. Yeah, but I have, I have a similar view to you, I guess. Like, you know, I, I was 
very fast pace, always trying to work, work, work. And this break has been really nice. Like you said, I think it's going to, it's going to be like a positive thing after this is all over. And even when we return back, I think whether it's mandatory or just more people are going to prioritize, there's going to be a higher priority for taking that break for yourself, slow down, relax, just live a little bit, you know? You know, Americans, we, we live, we, man, this, man, this boy, are they grilling? No, we about to eat each. Watch out, boy. Shit. Like, see, if we were still going fast pace, I'd never get that tomahawk. <laughs> I'll be working on a Friday somewhere. So, no, nah, man, they, uh, man, you just stay around positive people, big dog. You know? And, and then when they say go, we're going to be ready to go. The guys that stay positive and whatnot, like you say, man, I see you on your social media and you look like you're spending some time with your family and whatnot. Mm-hmm. We don't do that in America at all, man. Nah. We don't do that. You know, we, 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 what they said, we live to work. Right. You know? Well, well, other countries, they work to live. Meaning they work just enough to live. Like, whatever our means are, that's what we're going to work for. You know? Mm-hmm. But the other way around, we just, the only reason why we're here to work, 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 work. And we miss all type of great, you know, opportunities and situations that we could have had, man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, we just got to take it in stride. Now I know you love, I know you love barbecuing. Who taught you how to barbecue and just you know, because obviously through the past tailgates and stuff, how, who got you into that? Who got me into barbecuing? Yeah. And I'm a brother, man. We we grow up barbecuing, dog. All my uncles and them started barbecuing when I was a kid. We bought the grill now. Yeah, I see it. Get it in. <laughs> we don't play. What are some of your favorite things to grill? Man, what do I like to get that chicken on there, man? You know. Get them chicken legs, man. Gotta keep it gangster, dog. <laughs> That's what we do. But uh, what else? What else I like to grill, man? I, I, I like to grill chicken. I like to do ribs, steak. Uh, I like to do them pork, smoke them pork butts. Mm-hmm. Man, get them on there on a nice long seven, eight hour smoke. Let them come out nice and good. Shred them up or chunk them up. You know, let people grab them, throw some shells, taco shells on the grill. Man, we do it all, man. Shit, we do it all. Whatever okay. we could afford, you know. I went from chicken legs to you see what we got now. Yeah. I started with chicken legs on hot dogs. <laughs> I still like doing a brat. You know, we were from hot dogs at 99 cents for a pack to beer brat, you know. But shit, we still, shit. Every now and then we throw some hot dogs on there. There you go. You know, keep it gangster, man. That's so, funny. All right. So before we end this, I do like to ask a couple, quick, uh, just a quick hitter questions that are kind of fun. Uh, if you could have any type of toppings on a pizza, what would it be? Oh, any type of toppings on pineapple. No, hell no, no pineapple, man. <laughs> I'm gonna get olives, mushrooms, uh, onions, bell peppers, uh, and tomato, man. Vegetarian. I love vegetarian pizza. Okay. If you could talk to any person in history, dead or alive, or multiple people, who would it be? Gandhi. Ooh. Gandhi. I want to talk to uh, Gandhi. I want to talk to John Elway. I want to talk to multiple people. I'm going to keep going. John Elway. Uh, who else? Basketball. I, you know how I like to talk to real talk? I like to talk to uh, Wilt Chamberlain. Oh, okay. I want to know how, I know how his, he had his game. Like, not the game on the court, but that other game. That man was a monster. That <laughs> was different, right? So to talk to him, be like, was it true? 10,000. 100 points in 10,000, man. Stop playing. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> yeah, man. And I, I, I like to talk to Armstrong and ask him why the hell he be lying about going to the moon so long. <laughs> Come on, man. Why didn't he tell us the truth before he died, man? Right. So, yeah. Okay. Anyway, that's if, funny. If you could visit any time period in history, what time period would you want to go visit? Mm, that's a good question. You know what? I'll, um, shit. Wait, hold on, real quick. Would I have to visit as a black man or any man? Because uh, I don't want to go too far back. See? See? Uh, all right. I would just say any man, any a man. Freed man or what? Like, like you're just hovering, like watching. You know, like you're not. Oh, just hovering, watching. Man, you know what? I, those damn pyramids trip me out. Mm. I'm a trip with the. I'm a conspiracy theorist guy. Okay. So, I would like to know who really built those those damn pyramids. 
and was it aliens or was it, you know, was this, this whole theory was slaves and ropes. But yeah. see, I wouldn't want to go back there as a black, as a slave, even though <laughs> the pictures was black, they were African. But I wouldn't right. want to go back as, as a freed man, or if I'm hovering and they can't touch me, I want to know who the hell built those pyramids, man. Stuff okay. like that, man. I'm like, you know, as I get older, all the dumb shit, I don't care about the history of America and this and that. That's great and dandy, but I want to go far, far back. The history of man. Yeah. You know, human being. Do we really come from apes? Shit, I don't believe that either, man. But <laughs> I love it all that evolution. So I want to see a half man, half ape. Mm-hmm. If that ever existed, you yeah. know? Yeah, I feel you. Uh, yeah, okay. some stuff like that. Some enlightening stuff. All right. Last one. What's some advice that you would give to your younger self? To my younger self? Yeah. Uh, be me. Be me, bro. That man about to get those right. Uh, I really would tell my, Be me. Uh, really, I don't feel like... Uh, uh, this man just stole my damn... Totally, that's crazy. Come to your brother's house, you see your stuff. You know damn well he a lion fan. <laughs> he like you like my boy. Man, that ain't yours. That's mine, dog. That's crazy. Yeah, he done stole my stuff. Uh, just to be me, man. And uh, really, I, I've always done a great job of learning from my mistakes. Uh, be me. Be patient. Continue to be patient. Uh, and ride this bitch until the wheel fall off, man. Just be me. Mm-hmm. Real talk. Like, just don't, don't, you know. Uh, you know, you stress about so many little things growing up. You make so many mistakes and you stress about them. But at the end of the day, you're going to be right where you need to be. Mm-hmm. Real talk, man. And you learn that as you get older, you're going to be right where you need to be. So don't stress about it. Mm-hmm. Don't stress about it. Just learn from it and move on. Just learn from it and move on. Because you really are going to be right where you need to be at, where you're supposed to be. There if you, you do those things, you know. So a lot of times I stressed and tripped and like, you know, got all excited. And as an older dude, now I'm like, there's no reason to get like that. Even in the middle of a football game, all these coaches around me going crazy. I'm like, they're a better team. They beat us. Yeah. Well, I know they did not work us, but they beat us tonight. They're a better team. So uh, let's move on to the next one, you know. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we get another one. You know, it's not always – it's never as bad as it seems, and it's never as good as it seems. Whether it's a football team, whether it's a bad situation in life, whether it's – a grade that you got in the class, whatever it is, it's never as bad as it seems and never as good as it seems. And that's something I wish I could have told my younger self. I can't say, just relax, be you, and it's not all work out, man. Yeah, that was talk. well said. I really appreciate you again, Coach, for hopping on. Before you. you go, before you go, I did want to share with you some good news. I don't know how it's going to work out, obviously, after this COVID and everything, but I did get a job coaching high school football and baseball at Santiago High School in Garden Grove. So you were one of those coaches that really inspired me, always, you know, pushed me to continue to work hard. So, you know, I just wanted to say thank you for all that you did, even though it was only a short time period, but I'm glad I was able to reconnect with you and everything, you know? That's what's up, man. I appreciate that. And good luck. If you need anything, reach out. I don't know a lot, but whatever I do know, I'm willing to share. And if you ever need anything, whether it's, you know, recommend anything, man, hit hit me up. I'm right here. You know where I'm at. All right. Yeah. All right, big dog. Thanks. That yeah, have fun. a good one, coach. Yeah. Okay. You too. All right, bye bye. Bye bye. Boom, Noah Alvarez back in action to wrap things up for episode 101 of the My Mike and I podcast. Man, that's a that's a trip to say 101 episodes. We're officially past 100. Three digits from here on out. Next milestone is going to be crazy. I don't even know what the next milestone will be. But thanks to everyone who participated in the giveaways. I announced that last Friday. Shout out to Victor Garcia and I believe it's Andrew Rosales. I might have got the last name wrong, but I know it's Andres. Andres Lopez. I I screwed that up big time. My bad, Andres. Andres Lopez and Victor Garcia. Again, congrats on the My Mike and I Instagram giveaway. If you're not following My Mike and I on Instagram, you're missing out at my period Mike and period I. Also follow me on Twitter at underscore Noah Alvarez. And do me a favor, go check out the blog that I have going on with my buddies Max and Carl Cervantes. We have a blog titled LockerRoomSportsCA.com. We have a lot of good things coming, sports, non-sports. We're still growing, still expanding. And if you're interested in writing, please hit me up. I know a lot. I'm trying to bring some of my former State Hornet guys that I wrote with back at Sac State. 
on board. And so we're really just trying to diversify in the sports and just various content here on that website. Also do want to promote really quick too. I'm officially a brand ambassador for Phoenix Fit. Phoenix Fit is a supplementary company that has really great supplements as far as post-workout, pre-workout creatines, BCAAs, all that kind of good stuff. I definitely recommend you guys go check it out. And if you use promo code MYMIKENI with the letter N, MYMIKENI, you can get 15% off your entire purchase. One thing I really liked about partnering with Phoenix and which really drew me to their company, for every purchase you make, they donate one gallon of water to people in need in other parts of the world that don't have clean water. There's still a lot of people that don't have clean water. Access to clean water on a regular basis is something that we take for granted for sure. But just think about all the third world countries or just even you know different types of countries across the world that don't have that kind of access. So with every purchase, know that your money is going to a good cause and they're donating one gallon of water to those in need. So again, check out Phoenix Fit and the website is phoenixfitfnxfit.com and use promo code MYMIKEN, the letter N, I, and for 15% off. Don't forget to rate and review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and really enjoyed that episode and conversation I had with Coach Eddie Steele. If you're listening on any other platform, feel free to share the link to a cousin, a godmother, a godson, to anyone you think that may like the podcast professor a girlfriend an ex-girlfriend maybe that's something that rehashes a friendship or whatever that you guys maybe had in the past nonetheless guys appreciate any support i can get with the podcast so you know what to do no matter what platform you're listening on help me promote the podcast any way possible one more time i'm noah alvarez the host of the my mike and i podcast signing off till next time